So, Michelle. Yes. Uh, we, we talked about uh, the ASIO threat assessment, but there was mm-hmm. more. We didn't get finished on radicalisation. I know. We, we we had a lot to unpack. I feel like we just did the accoutrement. We didn't yeah. get into the crux of it. We looked at some stuff. We didn't really look get a chance to look at this one no. because we are time limited. We don't want you sitting on our podcast forever. So, today I really want to look at radicalisation. Yes, this was, and this was a big one that um, he kind of spoke about. Yes, right. Uh, you know who we're talking about, right? Yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. The bird stuff. Yeah, not not God himself, yeah, or bird. kind of like the God of Asia, I would say. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Kind of looked at him as like a god. Most people look at the DJ as a god. I did, and they looked at me as some terrible sort of thing on the bottom of their shoe. Yes. But yeah, today we're going to have a look at radicalization, not just the you know Islamic or crazy right wing, but also how it's starting to permeate out into other groups. Yeah, radicalization, extremism, kind of a, a few of the isms: populism, nationalism, racism, and you know, just a, we'll throw in some insight. Yeah. Yeah. You really want to talk about those guys. And I really don't because they just make me go, what is wrong with you guys? Anyway, let's do it. Okay. You're listening to I Spy, the unloved virgin of Australian intelligence. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. There's no funny line here. That's just a basic description of my life. So sad. Welcome to I Spied. My name is Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callum. And this app, we're kind of following on a bit from last week's app where we're going to dig a little deeper into what Burgess had to say in terms of extremism and kind of the rise of anti-democratic extremism, populism, that idea of nationalism. I want to discuss incels. We might tap into some protest stuff as well. Oh, I definitely want to talk protests. But, I mean, where, 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 do you, where would you like to start? Of all the isms, what do you want to start with? I want to start with the actual radicalism. The, okay. the radicalization of people, right? Because yes. it doesn't matter whether it's religious ideology, political ideology, violent ideology, it all stems from the same three stages, really. Yes. And the first one is called the quest for significance. Now, everyone likes to say, well, what? It sounds yep. a bit crazy. Yep. But essentially, we all believe that we're significant in some way, right? We, we, we do. And some people express that significance or pursue that significance in different ways. Uh, you might do a podcast about intelligence organisations. That could <laughs> yeah. be your way of doing it. Another way is you could become a sportsman. Yes. You be- could become an actor, a dancer, a singer. You could become a businessman, all these different things. Yes. Some people may get caught into a radicalisation thing where someone offers them the chance of significance. Now, these kind of, but the people that get drawn into that sort of quest for significance are the ones that have had their significance ripped away from. Yes, and what I think what was what's interesting when we talk about like the isms, like particularly the new face of the extremism and all that kind of stuff, it's um, it's not what it used to look like. Particularly terrorism. No, no, it's not at all. And uh, the whole thing is, you know, you might have lost your job, you might have lost a loved one, yes. you might have been divorced, you might have been bankrupt. You might be picked on in the schoolyard, right? Your significance is being dropped. So these, you find an ideology, you find a group that works with you, mm. right, that can offer you a feeling of significance. And this plays into what we've seen in Canberra lately with the protests. Yes. Interestingly, a journalist interviewed a lot of the people staying at 
epic exhibition yep. center, the camping ground. And a lot of them were talking about, at the beginning, we're talking about how this is the greatest experience I've ever had. This has been a great moment in my life. There are all these other people around me. Yeah, who think like me. Who think like me. And yes. that begins to build their significance. They're finding their their ideology that they can build yep. through and then they find the community. Yeah, and, what, and what, we, what we saw particularly with, well, what he spoke about particularly with the pandemic and how it played out, not only did it just give people a sense of loneliness, they're all of a sudden stuck Mm. at home there was like this isolation but they did still have access to the internet but we also saw the rise of the whole anti-vaccine mandates the rise of anti-democratic behavior this whole belief system in you know things that that are that are falsehoods Falsehoods, but also everything is now out of my control. Yes. I don't have a job at the moment. I've got to sit at home. And if you're lucky, you got JobKeeper. And if you're unlucky, you didn't, which yep. again makes you feel even less significant. Right? So you find these people with like minds and you go, well, I don't want to wear a mask. Well, well there's another bunch of people over here who don't want to wear masks. I'm going to go hang with them. Yes. Right? So you build this- So it's this tribal. It's basically tribal. Very tribal. But the And the other thing that's really important, the final stage of it is once you're in that tribe mm. to maintain your significance, you've got- to adhere to the tribe, right? So the interesting thing about the Canberra protest, it was a very, very Australian protest, really, when you think about it, right from the point that, you know, as opposed to, say, the Ottawa protests that was highly, highly organised, the Canberra one wasn't as organised. The other thing about the Ottawa protests that was very interesting was CSIS, which is the Canadian Intelligence Service, Mm. had been warned very early on, be careful, there are going to be right-wing extremists who try to hijack it, and they did. They managed to get away with a lot of stuff. There were people basically walking around saying, if you see a politician, you see a nurse, kill them. Oh, and look, you know, this whole idea that the 5G network is implanting. Now, I literally had someone on my Facebook page. Mm. It was a friend's mother who was playing me this video, and she totally believed this, of this guy who was talking about how the 5G was being implanted in people and that they found the the genetic coding that was getting uploaded and it but these people believe this yeah the magnetic spoon like it was just to me it was incredible like anyone else would just look at that and go wait what <laughs> well i mean again once you are in this mm. this realm once you've been sucked into this radicalization you then start to follow the leader and the interesting thing about it, the great one that came out was the police had l yeah. Long-range audio device or acoustic devices. and oh, what, yes. what they use them for, yeah, they can use them as an offensive weapon, but you've got to hit a really, really high frequency, mm. like seriously painfully high. That's mm. how it works. They all thought it was really low-level stuff that would inf- affect their bodies. It didn't. They were using them to actually make announcements like, please do not climb over the fence, stuff like that. Yep. You know, put down the jawbone. But what was coming out, the stories that were coming out of the exhibition centre, the camping ground, again, was they're chem-trailing us, they're L-ratting us. I woke up this morning and my skin was all red and itchy and painful and I got blisters on my lips and it's like dude that's what we call a Canberra sunburn and they're bad yeah it was very interesting and I think one of the things that came out of this when we we look at extremism and the rise Burgess kind of spoke about how it was happening in places that you wouldn't expect and one of those places was schools and I've got a bit of him talking to the ABC about that Mm. we've seen an increase in the number of minors being radicalized The age of those minors is decreasing. One of our youngest subjects is 13. Um, It happens online and it happens actually in the real world, including in the schoolyard. We see minors who are actually attempting to radicalise 
recruit and radicalise other minors and they're using techniques similar to that you would expect pedophiles to use. So what was really interesting, he went on to say like what those techniques were, were like, you know, and stuff that we've t- spoken about before, like yep. befriending, isolating, like all that kind, those kind of techniques, do, like happening in the schoolyard. Other kids are doing it to other kids. Yeah. And, but this is, again, the whole idea of that once the radicalisation process starts, I remember back in, God, when I was at school during the, the Whitlam election, mm. the big It's Time election, one of the kids walked into school with an It's Time badge on. <laughs> and we were like, we were like we were, I remember what? that. We were like, yeah. why? Because his parents wanted everyone to vote Labor. Yeah. So his child would wear an It's Time. Now, Interestingly enough about that, most of the teachers at our school were very – Canberra schools, they were all very quite labour. So, he yeah. started getting really good marks. No, yeah. he didn't. But the the thing about that is it can start in the home. So, the parents are, have a certain radicalisation yes. about them. It gets passed on to the child and then the child starts recruiting his friends or the people in his playground into that group. The fact that it's a 13-year-old is terrifying. Yeah, it's very terrifying. So we've got this kind of idea of extremism, anti-democratic extremism, which we've seen, of course, with the anti-vaccine mandates, mm. the 5G, all of that. that the sovereign that, c- the, citizens. Yeah, yeah, the sovereign citizens. I mean, populism and nationalism, we're seeing that rising as well, this idea that, you know, white supremacy. White supremacy, the Trumpism over in the States. Yep. The One Nation, UAP, well, UAP He's a totally different fish, right? But Craig Kelly did, of course, show up and then invited some sovsits into Parliament to deliver a letter to the Prime Minister, the yep. Leader of the Opposition and the Speaker of the House. Of course, they weren't there um, <laughs> they because Parliament wasn't sitting. So, again, you're having a... Why are you having a protest when there's no one there to listen to you or come out and speak to you? George Christensen showed up. He's on his way out because he's getting, trying to get a media deal. The interesting thing was there was, you know, Richard Bossy or Ricardo Bossy, who's an ex-Special Forces soldier who's a right-wing conspiracy theorist. Yeah. He basically said, we're going to get a million people here this week and we're going to take over Parliament. Well, a million people aren't going to show up. They had about ten, maybe 15,000 or in total, right? Now, admittedly, they really ticked off Canberra, but also the shops in Dixon, man, they made an absolute fortune. Out <laughs> they of loved these guys. it. It was they great. The huge economic injection into Canberra. The only other really interesting thing was a guy, doomsday prepper from WA, yep. who was caught with a sawn off. The police said it was a shotgun. The photo makes it look like a sawn off twenty two rifle and a map of Parliament House. Right. Right. So he was going to go in there and do something. Well, they caught him with the gun, the ammunition in his car, and sorry, he's facing charges. And the other one, I love this one, a local Instagram influencer and OnlyFans performer. That pause is my podcast air quotes. Yeah. Performer, yep. OnlyFans. We all know what that means. Uh, she drove her car up onto the bonnet of a protester's car. That was a very – everyone <laughs> must have seen that video by now, but that was a very – complicated like I didn't understand who did what to who like it seemed like both of them were kind of in the wrong in that instance and interestingly enough she wasn't really charged heavily now when we look but at- before the other thing that though she did thank the protesters because she got a huge spike on her yeah, own yeah of course of course of course yeah, like, yeah my god now when we look at protests a Canada at the moment they've had this massive three week long kind of trucker protest and, yeah. and what was interesting about that was what I saw was kind of the Fox News support for it, even though it was in Canada. So you saw this kind of Americanization of protests. And it yeah. was and even like a lot of the the truckers, a lot of the people protesting, I'm doing air quotes there, they were pulled over with, you know, caches of armed weapons and, you know, bombs and yep. all kinds of things. So at, at what point, and they talk about this 
quite a bit. At what point does a protest get hijacked by people with nefarious With an agenda. Ideals? Yeah. Well, again, that was what happened in Canberra with people like Ricardo yes. Bossi and stuff like that. The interesting thing about that, he Bossi actually got up at one time and said, I'll work with the UAP if I have to. Yeah. And that literally turned everyone against him. They all went, oh, you're a shill. And they started a second protest next to his protest to counter his protest. Right. The interesting thing is people try to come in and influence it. If they're, if they're good, if they're smart and they know what they're doing, they can take control of these protests and turn it to their agenda. Yep. But generally, there are so many people trying to do this that they keep tripping over each other. The only other thing that really came out of it was the fact that a lot of these people that have got nefarious agenda, they set up their GoFundMe page or any one of those donating sites. Hundreds of thousands of dollars were donated to these guys. Mm. No one's seen the money. No one, you know, I'm going to do this and set up a stage. No stage. I'm going to get food for everyone. No food. They basically, they're grifters. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, what some people who are finding getting caught up in a lot of these ideas and wrapped up in these protests, that the people that they're surrounding themselves with actually don't really have the same ideals that they have, but maybe are just, as I said before, nefarious kind of reasons yeah. and are just hijacking their agenda and their protests. But put it this way, in Canada, it's been a a really big deal. In yeah. Canberra, it was a big deal because of the inconvenience. I think it was only three or four people charged with anything. Yep. And most of that was just disturbing the peace for yep. not leaving the showgrounds because the Canberra Royal Show was Oh, due. yeah, that's right. They, <laughs> Guys, <laughs> they didn't know, leave the Canberra. Hey, 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 hey. You know, we understand that you've got protests and you've got issues, but don't get in the way of showbag sales, mate, or we'll kill you, right? The, the whole, well, they won't kill you. We'll kick you out. But the big thing about this is it was a very Australian protest. There was- Speeches being made in the forecourt outside mm. Parliament House. And when people get up there, we're going to destroy this, we're going to take over the government. And there's a lot of people just went, started leaving. And journalists were asking, why are you leaving? It's like, we're here to stop Mark having yeah, to wear Yeah, they were there for anti We're not, inter- mandates, we're not yeah. interested in this. Yep. Right. And that was what was really interesting was the maturity of some of these protesters. As much as we go, they're ratbags and crazy. And that's, uh, we need to talk no, about No, a lot of them are just disenfranchised. A lot of yeah. them are, are, you know, everyday people with everyday jobs who just, you know, don't don't believe in something and then they feel disenfranchised. The unfortunate thing was they you know, somebody got up in front of the crowd and went, how many people here have lost a friend because of their beliefs? And mm. everyone in the crowd put up their hands. 100%. Now, this is a problem because if we if we just roundly go, you're all ratbags and idiots and we're not going to talk to you, then they're in their echo chamber. But if you sit down with them and go, can you explain why you're doing oh, this? Oh, look, and I, I totally agree. I, I have a friend. I actually have two friends who are anti-vaxxers and I've had many conversations. I'm still friends with them. Yeah. I have many conversations with them about what they think. You know, sometimes they make sense. Sometimes yeah. there are things that they say and I totally understand and sometimes I'm just like, you're fucking idiot. Oh, yeah. But, but <laughs> I hope they're not listening right yeah. now. I don't really think you're stupid. Um, <laughs> 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 I, no, because here's the thing. I, there are, and this is... It, this harps back to the Joe Rogan kind of mm. phenomenon is like a lot of the stuff that he said, even when he said it, no one wanted to talk about it and said, you can't talk about that. But then a lot of it is true, right? Mm. So, you know, this whole idea, remember when people started saying, um, maybe it came from a Chinese lab and people are like, you can't say that. There is no way that it did. And now we're going, maybe it actually did come from a Chinese lab in Wuhan. Like there are these like things that are kind of more and more coming into fruition. It, uh, it's like the David Spears incident last week when I said he was a right wing journalist. And, and, and I apologize. I'm wrong. He's not. He's a conservative journalist, but he's not a right wing. No, right? he's not. Words matter. Yes, Language is really, really important, mm. particularly in this instance, because if we start, if again, if we do not pay attention to them, and it's not a case that they're crazy or nuts or ratbags. Yes, there are grifters. There are people with 
nefarious agendas and they need to be brought to task. Yes. But the people that generally go, I'm just, re- I don't want to wear a mask. I just I don't, don't believe in it. I don't understand where I can't go. I can't yeah. go to WA to see my mum. Yes. They're the ones who've got to sit down. No and one go, understands that. No one understands that. <laughs> WA is an island unto itself. We WA is <laughs> Perth is the most isolated capital in the world anyway. Ever. I mean, but like now they're just like a lot of them are probably pretty fucking happy that no one's coming. But you know, <laughs> let's be real. Why not? Yeah. But I mean, they've they can't, couldn't keep it out. It's in there. But the whole thing is instead of going, you're wrong, you're stupid, you're an idiot, that's not helping. What no. we need to do is go, where are you getting inf- your information from? And how can I show you that? Yeah, you know, can I explain to you my side and why I think this is wrong? So we've got it's that's how you start deradicalization yes. is going. Your information is wrong, and particularly if that information is coming from a nefarious source with an agenda. Yes, right. So that's the whole thing. Now talking about people with a nefarious agenda. Well, incels. Yeah, we've got to go to? there. It's we do. Be now it's interesting that this has kind of piqued ASIO's interest. Let's hear what Burgess had to say about it. We have groups called incel involuntary celibates. They are just violent extremist misogynists who believe women are the root of all of their uh, problems and they've killed people overseas. And we have people with those beliefs here in this country. Now, this is something I've been following for a while and it's really take, it felt like it's taken its time to kind of seep into Australian culture. Mm. It's really quite prevalent in England, very prevalent in in the US and Canada. In Canada? Surprisingly enough, Canada. Now, there are two men who were charged with, like, took out a lot of women and they really took to, I don't know if it was Reddit, but one of those kind of sub-internet Well, probably four or eight chan, one of the chans. Yeah, maybe the chans. Ironically, like, the guy who invented 4chan left because it was just too too (laughs) bad. You guys are weird. He's like, you guys are, I don't know know what's going on here. You're creeping me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, incels, for those people who don't know, it stands for involuntary celibate. celibate. And they're a member of online subcultures. Now, a lot of people think that they're, you know, the men that sit in the basements that, you know, don't get the dates. Quite often they're not. Mm. A lot of it has to do with the fact that they believe women control the wealth, particularly attractive women, and mm-hmm. that they, if they're not attractive, then they don't get to have sex and participate. And it, it's, it really harps into that idea, I think, of, you know, feeling disenfranchised and not feeling part of the opposite sex in the world yeah. around you because, you know, we, we kind of do create a world that I- exists on the ideas of marriage, whether you're gay, straight, bi, whatever. But we do exist on the ideas of marriage and partnering. And, of course. Yes. It, it, is, it, it is an instinct to procreate. Now, interesting, what I find interesting about that whole, you know, women control the world, Yeah, I, I would not have a problem with that. No, because we're, we're pretty smart. To in full disclosure, yeah. I am a happily married man. I yeah. absolutely love my wife. Some of my best friends are women because, yep. God damn, you guys are just awesome. You really are. Yeah. Right. Hey, I could have done this podcast with a guy, but that just would have been too weird old guys talking about stuff. And, you know, the thing that I find interesting about the incel movement is there is this visceral hate of the opposite oh, sex. visceral. And what it stems, to, it stems from to me is that that, again, it goes back to the quest of significance. They feel insignificant because yep. they've been rejected or they haven't been up. Now, turn around to a woman. I remember doing an advertising campaign for Victorian tourism. They approached me to write an advertising campaign for them based on the fact that oh, if you're a woman in Sydney, come to Melbourne. You can find a man because there are none in Sydney that are single. Yeah. All the good ones are taken. Everyone else is either gay or uh, a rugby league head. And it's like that was an 
that was a government looking to use it as an advertising campaign. So the whole idea that women control the world and they can get what they want, yeah, not exactly true. So one of the big ones that – one of the big things that happened in the US was a guy who was called Elliot Roger. Now, he was mm. 22 years old. He was like a son of a, a filmmaker. He basically, on May 2014, he went on a stabbing and shooting spree before he turned the gun on himself. He killed six people. Yeah. Before he, he actually went and did that, he documented himself and he also like videoed himself and said basically that he was – while he sat in his BMW car, I mean, this, we're talking wealth here as well. What a terrible life. Yeah. Um, he complained about being a virgin at 22, saying he'd never even kissed a girl. In He had a 141-page document, and in that document he described himself as the ideal magnificent gentleman. Yes, that was the line. Yeah, and could not comprehend why women would not want to have sex with him. Um, maybe, I don't know, stop calling yourself the ideal magnificent stop talking, gentleman. Well, also, <laughs> stop talking about, like, uh, stop framing it as, why won't you have sex with me? Uh, uh, when I met my wife, uh, I really liked the person. Yeah, I mean that's the yeah. Um, hey, but, the sex but, is great. They, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I really enjoy it. But, but they the, see women as objects, not as people. Exactly, it's subjectification, yes. right? Because in doing that, it it raises their superiority. Yeah, and that again, if that's the radicalization process, and then they find other guys that have the same issue, and then you've got the the pickup artist sort of angle coming out of the incel movement, which is how to pick up women and then. Treat them like dirt. Yep, exactly. It's a power trip. It's an ego trip. And this is what I find fascinating about it and and frightening about it is what is a bunch of guys that are like, they're misogynists, they've weaponized the misogyny. 100%. Right. And what came off the back of Elliot Roger was this this Canadian man called Alec Mination. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he was this kind of socially awkward software development. And so minutes before he um, launched into his deadly attack, he actually posted to Facebook. And what he said was, the incel rebellion has already begun. We will overthrow all the Chads and Stacys. That's kind of this yeah, idea of that. like, you know, sorority women and, you know, pro like popular men. Yeah. All how the supreme gentleman, Elliot Roger. Yeah. So he he kind of what we're seeing now is this thread. We're seeing these people and how they're connected. Now, what Alec then did was he got into a van, he rented a van, and he drove on a pace pavement in Toronto mm. and he killed ten people, and he also injured sixteen others. So it's again, you know, the, the Stacys in the chat. So the Stacys are the sorry girls, and if but if you're not a a Stacy, I think you're a. They have they have disgusting names for women. Yeah, absolutely terrible. But the guys guys that are happily married or you know do well with the the, the ladies, they're chads, right? And it kind of means we're betas. And again, it comes to the Greek alphabet and males, you know, superiority. Yeah. So there's there's chads, there's Stacys, there's Beckys, and I mean Beckys. You can- that was the one. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like. And it's, it's pretty much a really dark world of online hate and some of the rhetoric around how they perceive women and how they talk about women is really quite nasty, it's really violent and it's really quite sexualized. and it's very, very frightening. And mm. what we're seeing now and I think what shocked me most was, you know, in the annual threat assessment, Burgess basically said, this is happening and it's happening here. And the interesting thing about that was a lot of people would go, yeah, but that's more a sort of social issue type thing. But no. ASIO would focus on it very heavily because in the heads of security, one of the things they focus on is 
promotion of communal violence. And this is the promotion of communal violence. Yep. You're basically turning around to people going, kill the Chads, kill the Stacys, get yourself a Becky. I mean, I remember reading someone basically said, if your girlfriend isn't a virgin when you start going out with that, you're dealing with tainted meat. That was like, that's just a Oh, it, it's it's actually so disgusting. If you go down these deep holes, and I would not recommend it. No, it's not a pleasant – I, I did. Really, I, particularly as a female, it's um it's not a pleasant experience. And I think what what I would say when we when we look at incels, it's just another step beyond, you know, any kind of terrorist because they're just feeling lonely, disenfranchised, they don't yep. have – I think if anyone had a partner in their life – they're probably less likely to go out and kill other people. Well, yeah. I mean, there, there are the, the serial killers that have no, the wife and all that sort of stuff. I mean, but like when it comes to extremism and all the isms and incels, I think a lot of it harps down to this whole this need, this, this basic need that people just want to be loved. Yeah, but also, um, <laughs> you know, the whole thing is, Look, when you're married with a family, you don't have time for this shit. You no. really don't. No, but also it, it humanises you slightly. Yeah. If you're sitting at home and you're feeling dejected and you're feeling like no one really wants to be around you or loves you, then you're like all hope is lost. Yeah, look, before I met my wife, uh, I'd moved to Sydney and, wow, it was actually really mm. lots of fun because um, I'm a single heterosexual guy in Sydney. This is great. I actually but- like being single. You did? <laughs> Oh, I hope your husband's not listening yeah, to this. Yeah, no, I, but even sometimes I now dream about yeah, it. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't particularly like it. So, you know, I had a you know, series of girlfriends. And yeah, but I'm a Becky, so, you know. Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm joking, ch- I'm joking, I'm joking. Incels do not come after me. I'm a Chad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like me. Uh, the whole thing is, right, was there a sense of completion in my life when mm. I met my wife? Yes, but was it to the point where I became a completely different person? No. Yeah. I actually became just a more well-rounded person. And by the way, as you would know when you first get married, it ain't all beer and Skittles. There's a lot of compromise and a lot of adjusting you've first got to get make. First get married, gosh, <laughs> it's still hard. <laughs> well, it you never know, gets easy. We, we, we have, we've, we're doing a bit of work on our house and we had an architect in and she just turned around and she, like, it was funny. She was measuring. You're so relatable getting your architect in. Uh, yeah. So relatable. Well, we've got to because we have to like remove walls and stuff. So we need an, so we need an engineer for God's sake. I'm in a two bedroom apartment that I rent. Oh my God! I've got I own a place that is falling apart. I've got to do anyway. Um, she turned around to us because my wife and I were discussing bits and pieces. She, yep. she was she just turned around and said, "Oh wow!" It's like what you, you two actually like each other, and it's like oh what y- y- what you really? <laughs> and she went. Yeah, I know a lot of couples, when this stuff gets on it, you just see the cracks start yeah, opening up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you know, being married is, it's work, right? It, it is hard work, but it's work I'm, I'm dedicated to and I quite enjoy. Are there days where my wife and I are not frustrated with each other? <laughs> of course there are. Um, I don't know how we, t- we, we kind of really veered off the path of incels into your marriage. Well, the whole thing is, <laughs> with that, I... Re- I could have been a prime candidate for something like incel because there was a stage in my life where I went for about 18 months where I just could not get a girlfriend. But you don't strike me as someone who would hate. No, that was that was the heart. interesting thing is I didn't hate. But I, I felt I, the hate was directed inwards. It was what is wrong with me? Yeah. Why am I, what do I need to do to improve right, me? Okay. Where the incel 
philosophy is what is wrong with them? them. They don't understand that I am a magnificent superior gentleman. Yes, and of course, they, they when they go online, they find other like-minded individuals who Boom. then go, yes, it is their fault. It is not you. You are great. Yep, you've got your quest for significance. Yep. Then they identify the means of achieving that significance and yep. then they find the group that will give them that means. Boom, they're away. But if any of them just left their homes and actually went up and talked to a female, they would probably find the strike rate isn't as bad as they suspect. But also- the only way you get better at swinging the bat is striking out. It's so true. Right? But it's, it's like this fear of it, like they're almost going to be laughed at, which is not even the reality. Fear of failure is a very, very strong motivator in almost every human being on the planet. Let's not be stupid I about used to that. always say yes to pretty much everyone who asked me out on a date because I knew that it took great courage and you never know unless they're really fucking weird. Um, <laughs> but you never know... Who you're going to meet or or what's going to transpire or who this person is. But I always said yes because I knew that it took great courage to ask. I always said yes because I was so (laughs) desperate. No. No, no, no. You're right. You meet someone, you like them, you spend a bit of time. It may be one date. It may be a a relationship that lasts a period of time. It may wind up in a 25-year-long marriage, right? Whatever it is, the whole thing with the incel thing is the hate is the hate, the loathing is directed out. Yes, they're, they're so but disenfranchised. You, but, but I really feel like this is, and it's what we're talking about with this whole idea of extremism mm. and terrorism. They're all the same people. They've just found something different to hate. Yeah, it's that old thing of the best way to build yourself up is to cut someone else yeah. down. So whether you're a right wing extremist, whether you're a white supremacist, an incel, yeah. Whether you're a sovsit, your extremism is coming from the fact that you need to bolster yourself. Yep. Right? You need you need that significance in your life. Now, yeah, my marriage is a significant part of my life. This podcast is a significant part of my That's life. That's really my career, fucking sad. <laughs> my, but the thing is, my career, my teaching, yeah, no, all absolutely. of these different things come to create a significant human uh, being. One whole one David Callan. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to some, I love to be. I love that I'm a small part of being. You're being complete. You help complete me. <laughs> that is really sad, and I think we should end it there because now I'm just like, Ugh. no, it's not. When I say you complete me, you just, yeah. You know, basically, this podcast would not exist without you here. So you complete a little part of my life. Otherwise, it would just be the ramblings of one David Callum. Marry me. Oh no, I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> 